0: Hey everyone, thanks for joining. Today I'm speaking with Dr. Tabia Lee. Uh, Lee was the Director of the Office of Equity, Social Justice and Multicultural Education at De Anza Community College in California. And she's also on the Board of Directors for Free Black Thought. Um, I became aware of Lee uh, when Free Black Thought and some of the people associated with it started tweeting out stories about what had happened to her. Lee got fired from her job because she wanted to have opposing ideas brought forth, and basically she wasn't following the tenets of the current critical social justice, and she lost her position as the director of um, the Office of Equity. Hailey, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. Um, Yeah, so I mean, I butchered kind of what happened to you, (laughs) but yeah. If you wouldn't mind explaining, like, I'll put links to, you know, some of the articles that I talked about it and, uh, you know, some of the things you've done in the description. But if you wouldn't mind going through, like, how this came about and, like, I read your back, you know, like, some of the stuff you sent me and It would seem like you would be the perfect fit for this. But anyways, go ahead.
1: Yes. So um, I started at De Anza College Obeyed in uh, August of 2021. Um, And I went through a rigorous uh, process of hiring and interviewing. I went through multiple panel interviews. I had to do a teaching demonstration. And my final interview was even with the president of the college and other senior leadership in his cabinet. Um, And so um, this was something that, uh, you know, after many years of, I've been a lifelong teacher, lifelong educator, like this is my vocation. Um, and after many years of being an adjunct, um, like a decade or so um, in multiple schools and places to finally have a full time tenure track faculty position and, and it be a faculty director position. This was like a lifelong dream for me, um, you know, on topics that I've been working on for the past four decades since I've been a teacher, you know, equity, social justice, multicultural education, um, all things that that, you know, um, that I've always been involved with. And so when I interviewed, um, you know, I was very transparent about who I am, what is my teaching approach. They asked me a lot of questions. They told me about, you know, DeAnza and and some of them mentioned, like, um, you know, the office that you'll be working with, it it, it has a, a problem with being a little too woke. And I, you know, and when I hear terms like that as a teacher, I always want to know like, what do they mean? Because it, it means such broad things to so many people. So they define woke as um. Um, alienating some of the faculty, um, calling people out a lot, uh, calling people racist and accusing them of being racist. And so I told them, you know, I'm definitely don't identify as woke as defined by that in that way. You know, and I said, I told them what my approach was to bring people together, to have multiple perspectives in a space, to welcome everybody, um, to try to identify common points that we could rally around to best serve our students. And I told them I view myself as a public servant as a teacher, you know, especially in the community college space, it's public school. Um, I even did my teaching demonstration on calling in over calling out, uh, just to you know demonstrate to them like my, my commitment to those principles of making truly inclusive spaces for different viewpoints. And um, I was hired on. Uh, I thought that they hired me because I was the you know right person for the job and and had the right vision and um, you know. And I started to do my work, and and it was almost immediate that the problems um, started. Um, that it became clear. That the people that were in my uh, immediate team um, viewed me as a problem almost immediately. Um, I'm talking like the first few weeks. Um, you know, we we were um, getting together, and I'm someone, Obeyed, I don't like to come in and think, oh, I have answers. I'm I have a solution for people. Like, I want to hear what they tell me, and you know what their needs are. Yeah. So I asked, I asked my team. I was like, hey, you know, how do you guys take notes? You know, how do you how do you work as a team? What's your process? And they were like, oh, you know, we we try to meet weekly, you know, we don't really keep um, agenda or notes or things like that. And I was like, okay, because my job duty primary was to lead an institution-wide transformation. And so I knew from past experience of leading transformations, like you can't just, we can't just get together and meet and, and chat with each other. Like we would have to be setting some goals and like actually monitoring what we're doing, evaluating it. So I made a Google Doc for us. And I was like, you know, hey, we're all editors in it. Um, maybe as we meet, we can put up ideas for agendas. Maybe you could tell me some of your projects that you're working on, and I can, you know, see where I can devote time or who can help each other. Um, I'm new here. I don't really know how things work. And as I was explaining to Google Doc, that's the first time that a big issue happened, um, where I was told to stop what I was doing. I was told that what I was doing by explaining that Google Doc and, you know, trying to get us to collaborate on it, um, I was white speaking and white explaining and supporting white supremacy. And I, I honestly had never in my life heard white supremacy or white speaking or white slaining be used that way. Like no one in, in my life or in my environment had ever called me a white supremacist. Um, I had never even really heard anyone else called a white supremacist. So I was just kind of like, I, I, I knew though, it it felt very bad. You know, I'm a racialized mm-hmm. black woman. Uh, someone's calling me a white supremacist. To me, that means that I'm aligned with neo-Nazis or, or, you know, KKK members. Like that's what I've always known my whole life to be a white supremacist. Um, but I came to find out as I attended meetings and things, uh, that's not what they were meaning. They had a totally different definition of white supremacy that I had never heard of. And one day they had a slide up, they had a citation. So I was able to go find where that was coming from and to read it. And I was just, uh, I was disappointed, um, confused, um, it, a whole bunch of different emotions uh, it, that this was being held up as the truth. And how we judge people in an academic setting.
0: Like some of what you said there, like especially the white supremacy thing. So this was what got me into trying to figure this out and looking into like where this came from. So you know people who listen to this know this. i I, I worked overseas, I worked in the military, I came back from Afghanistan in two thousand fourteen, and I was never an outspoken person or writer, but Social media was around then. Um, you know, I, when I got back, like while I was away, I didn't really use social media. But when I got back, I was on it. And I was like, okay, I, I was seeing all these things about Islam. And I was like, that's wrong. Like, that's patently wrong. It's a lie. So I would just put a post on my Facebook thing. You know, I didn't know anything about public settings and private settings. I, I didn't care. And then all of a sudden, like, I got called a white supremacist. And, like, you know, you said, you're, you're black woman. I'm, you know, I'm brown. I'm from India. <laughs> You know, and I was like, that doesn't make any sense. How am I a white supremacist? Now, and then I just started looking into it. I just started reading. I just, you know, I'd done, like, I'd read postmodernism when I was in school. Like, I I went to university, you know, in the early 90s. Uh, I did poli-sci. So, yeah, I touched on some of the post-colonialism. I touched on some of the postmodernism. Didn't really do anything with CRT or anything like that because it didn't, Come into my field, really. Um, but, you know, I, I knew what some of that was, but then I started reading this, and I was like, where is this coming from? And then it was when I started reading, I think the first thing I read was uh, uh, with Peggy McIntosh's uh, thing about the knapsack. And I was like, okay, what is this? It's just, you know, and then, then I started reading more and more. And then I got... You know that I yeah okay. When they're saying I'm white supremacist, it's I am actively participating in a system that they believe is a system that was built by white supremacists for white supremacists, and it just it's not the KKK, but it is holding the white race supreme over all others, and by my my participation in it is me being a white supremacist. That's the way I understood it. I'm like, Kevin, that's insane. To me, that was just okay. That's wrong. And so, like, I don't know, like, but as soon as I came back, I don't know, it was because I was like the frog that was throwing up of boiling water and everyone else was just kind of swimming along thinking, you know, it's it's nice and warm. Um, But I started seeing it. So, I mean, what had happened to you, I remember a couple of cases or three cases that stand out to me. One was in the States. Uh, she was a trans woman. She was the head of, and she was, this was all happened with students. Uh, Well, two were students and one was outside the Academy. Um, She was the head of the student diversity office or something like that. Like, you know, like the student council diversity office or something. She was a woman who was transitioning into a man. She was also white. Once she fully transitioned and became a man, that he was now a white male and was not diverse enough to hold the office and lost her job or lost his job. And this was in like 2016-ish. Something similar also happened in Scotland. And then another one I remember reading about was a police officer who was a trans male, trans man, and he started up a trans pride parade. I think it was on Trans Day of Awareness or something like that. He provided security for the parade, and at the end of the parade, wherever it was ending, he organized a big event, a big party. He showed up to the party dressed as a police officer well, in his uniform because he was providing security for the parade, and he was asked to leave because he was making the trans community un- feeling unsafe. It's just, like, like to me, this, this stuff has been going on. It's been all around, and it just, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to put any, like, you know, point fingers, but it's just it was there and it was growing. And I like, I mean, you must have seen some stuff in academia where, you know, there's a spread of this and like, you know, Dow is coming into STEM where like I I know someone I know in Montreal, he got a grant refused because he said, well, I'm looking for, uh, he's he's a professor of chemistry. He's doing a chemistry research paper or research project he needed a chemist and he said, I'm gonna look for the best chemist. And because he didn't have a diversity statement in his hiring practice, he got his grant refused.
1: Hmm.
0: And so, I mean, this is affecting a lot of stuff. So I just like, sorry, there's a lot of rambling just to say like, did you notice it? Or did did you see any rumblings of it? Like, you know, how aware of you were you of what was going on in in academia or in some parts of academia?
1: So this is a field that I've worked in for decades. The definitions that are in use and the way that they're being practiced, the toxic way that they're being practiced, uh, I did not encounter until I started strongly interacting with the California community college system. Um, Because all the other places that I had worked um, and, you know, uh, districts that I had worked in and, um, uh, you know, um, the positions I had held as a teacher and a teacher educator and a Adjunct professor, you know, at some private uh, colleges and universities. Um, what I what I know now, Obeid, is that those were working from a classical social justice perspective. That's what I call it. Um, what's in operation at De Anza, What I call it, not what they're saying, but they need to just start saying it and admitting it. They're using a critical social justice uh, approach, and those two approaches are very different. From, from point A to point B, from how you view the world, how you see knowledge, um, what's your end goal for society, what is social justice, like <laughs> all of those ways, they're very different. Um, and if people were more transparent about what they're doing and what they're advancing, um, I think that would be beneficial for everyone, including, you know, this is a public school, the taxpaying public um, if we only want to promote one ideology and exclude all the others and not make space uh, for different ways of doing the work or even admit that there's different ways to do the work, that's problematic. So, no, I had I, I truly hadn't encountered anyone accusing anyone of being white supremacist. I hadn't encou- I hadn't worked in any environments where people told people that they were white speaking or white explaining. Literally, the first time I heard those terms and saw those was working here. Um, and it's because in a certain sector not the whole school because i don't want people to think oh you know this is a bad place and all the people are bad the majority of people are very good uh they're, they're actually not even extremists left or right they're just teachers trying to teach the community you know but there's this small group and unfortunately that's who's seated on academic senate you know and that's who's seated on tenure review committees and that's who's making the big calls right now, including things like if I didn't, you know, subscribe to that or or seem like I was doing it well enough, I needed to be removed. I needed to be completely destroyed as a professional and never work anywhere again. That's what happened to me over the past two years. It was literal bullying, harassment, intimidation, um, constant undermining. Um, It was nonstop. And as I experienced things, you know, I'm someone like you mentioned, I want to know where is this coming from? Like what mindset, right, gets people to behave this way towards other human beings. It's such a dehumanizing kind of environment um, and very toxic. It's like every day I was in a war zone um, and it shouldn't be that way. It should, it should be someplace where everyone can be. It's a community college. It should serve the whole community, not just a small group. Um, and so, no, I, I've identified, you know, what were the ideologies at work, why certain things took place the way they did, you know, and um, why I was accused when I was setting an agenda. That is considered under that framework, um, um, being on time, setting agendas, writing things down, those are, quote, white supremacy culture, according to the researchers that these people are upholding as, you know, the truth. Um, and to me, it, it, it's something that's very dangerous, not just for um, black people or brown people or, you know, however you're racialized, white people, it's it's dangerous for everyone um, because it tries to say that the things that we know to be successful in life, <laughs> um, it's attributing that to quote white culture. And I don't I don't quite understand that and, and what that means and what the implications of that are or, or why that's so important to even do. But then it makes me wonder, well, then what do you think of me as a racialized black woman? Right? How was I supposed to be? Was I supposed to not be on time? Was I supposed to not be able to read or write? Was I supposed to, you know, uh be all the opposite of that? And then I would have been okay. I I mean, I don't know. That that's hersome yeah. to me.
0: Yeah, and I mean it's but it's also it's just completely a story. Um, I mean, I, I did a short thread on this on Twitter and kind of took off a little bit. So there's a quote from Plato talking about math, and he's asking, you know, he's asking Greeks like, "Can you count? You know, can you count one, two, three, four? You know, addition of subtraction." He's like, he's like, "There's children in Egypt who can do math better than." You know, grown men and Greeks, and he's like, you know, where I think he compared Greeks to like pigs or dogs to like the humans that the Egyptians were when it comes to maths and how advanced they were, and you know, there's there a flow of information that went back and forth, and if the, you know, the if the North Africans and the and the Persians and the Iraqis hadn't kept Greek knowledge a lot if it wouldn't have come into Europe. And, you know, they also advanced on it. They put, you know, people like Averroes and Avicenna are studied in Europe and, you know, just along with the Greeks. So it's a denial of that. It's 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 a denial of you know, this is a shared knowledge. There's an article in um, I think it's called, uh, I think the magazine is called Aeon. It's on um, it's online. And it was about this Ethiopian I think he was an advisor or something for the king. I, I, I'm just going my memory here, but he fell afoul of the king, that he ran away. He'd been he'd been taught um, like a local rhetoric and a lo- you know like like a course on rhetoric and a local course on logic and things like that. And he hid in a cave basically for a couple of years, just you know going to like little small villages here and there just to pick up some supplies. But he was just, and he wrote down ideas that were very similar to um, like Locke and Hume. 100 years before they were writing in Europe. So it's, you know, it's, like I said, it's, it's a denial of what this knowledge is. It's, and it, you know, it, it it's turning something to sacred. Like, this is forbidden knowledge. We don't want you to have it. And it's I, I, The article you had in, um, uh, was it Compact? You talked about trying to compare uh, Sheena Mason's work with Kendi. And I, if you're on the, you know what you were calling like the, the the classical social justice side of things. You would allow that debate, but the new critical social justice, no, because that might cause someone harm. It's it's you know they' the but like, like I said, they're ignorant of where even their knowledge comes from. I mean, I, like I wonder how many people who've read Kendi or especially how to be an anti-racist. I wonder how many of them actually read Fanon because Kendi is a very watered down version of. Wretched of the earth, like you know, some of the ideas from the wretched of the earth are like you know, like you know, present racism to, to, cure, to cure past racism. I mean, like I said, it's very, very watered down, but it's like I'm just kind of wondering how many people have actually read that. Like they're ignorant of their own information, they're, they're ignorant about what their own side is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, yes. And when I did that, I in, in writing, um, people chastised me, they told me that, um, I should never speak about or teach about uh, controversial topics. And I'm like, huh, you know, how do you do um, transformative work without ever speaking of a controversy? That was actually in a written comment in my uh, phase one. Um, I was also told that I was deeply offensive that I was leading people to danger and, and, and potentially, um, you know, ruining people's lives by talking about Dr. Sheena Mason's idea. I mean, I laugh a little, but like, this is very serious. Like it led to my termination. So, you know, um, and, 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 and they're very, it didn't matter that I would present evidence, you know, or, or say, you know, this is what we need to do to like build bridges between these different polarities that are on the campus you know um we need to come together we need to have spaces where we can talk um that was all considered just wrong I was told not to do it uh it was inappropriate um and so all the things I work like I got my doctor to be a, a professor like I, I that's what I have my lifelong dream to do um to be able to engage people in critical thinking and talk about you know issues of the time. Uh, to be told that here I am in this director role where I'm supposed to transform things, but don't you ever speak of a controversy. It it was like multiple messages, mixed messages. Um, And then constantly as I would do stuff obeyed, everything I did, they would invert it, they would attempt to make it a negative somehow, like, you know, and, and the participants will be like, this is great we need this here. Like, thank you, Lee, for this new approach. And, you know, it's so refreshing. Like, that's what I got from the participants. But for my evaluators, I was getting, you're dangerous. You're leading people to danger. You're offensive. Um, You know, you shouldn't be doing that at all. Um, You can't accept criticism. (laughs) You know, I don't know how that works, but that was one that kept coming. So, um, yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'm sorry I shouldn't laugh uh, I should laugh at that Leave but like, like you said it just it, it is when you tell someone that I mean, it sounds like you're crazy because it, it's just not rational one of the things you're talking about there um, so, so like Lee you mentioned that they were saying or oh, you're leading people to danger now I compared some of this stuff to some things that happened in Islam now there's an idea in Islam of fitna which is you're causing corruption in the land and that's by your ideas that's by your speaking so uh You know, if you're an atheist and you keep it to yourself and you don't let anyone know, you're fine. As soon as it becomes public knowledge, well, then, sorry, we're going to have to kill you. Because Mm -hmm. just the fact that you're there and you're existing, you are dangerous. You're spreading these dangerous ideas. I mean, take a look at the Taliban. Uh, They destroyed those Buddhas, the Bamiyan Buddhas, that had been a couple thousand years old or a thousand and some odd years old. Because that was from another religion, and that might cause people to stray from Islam. It was the same reason why ISIS blew up some of the ruins in Palmyra, because it is from pre-Islamic age, and so that might, you know, it might cause fitna. And so there's, there is a religious zeal to it. I know a lot of people compare it to Maoism, and i, I like, you know, there's people like, I, I see people who actually had lived under Mao, and they talk about some of that stuff, and they compare it. And yeah, I mean, this stuff all rhymes, it's very similar, but like, it's, it's, this has that religious deal. I mean, like the, the whole idea of whiteness and everything, too, it to me it strikes me a lot as like the Calvinist idea of total depravity. Like the way they like way people talk about it is you know, I don't want to be consumed by whiteness. It's like that whole idea of total depravity in Calvinism. Sin is all around you. You're gonna be consumed by sin unless you act in a certain way. And it's just so I mean it, it has that to it. So I mean, reading about your story really, like it was just like you were an apostate. You are no longer. You know, it's like Nicole Hannah Jones. Like you're not politically black, so mm-hmm. you're not. You know, ISIS has decided that you're not the true Muslim. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's 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 like that. That that's what struck strikes me a lot about this stuff. It's it's how totalitarian and how you know, authoritarian it is about everything, and like the the religious fanatic zeal that it has. Yes, Obeyed, I would uh, when you mentioned the Taliban and how they
1: they spent. You know, days literally, um, with mortar shells attacking those statues, you know, and people couldn't understand it's it's a drive. That's religious fundamentalism. Um, and that's what I see in critical social justice, the application of it in um higher education, in civic life. There's a fundamentalist aspect to it. Um, and, and I was even told, you know, you did not you are not representing the ideas you were hired to represent with fidelity. And, and the, a group of people went to the board of trustees and that was one of the statements that I made that I wasn't representing the ideas, I was hired to represent with fidelity. I've just never heard such a statement. Um, I didn't know I was selected, you know, for this position to represent any idea with fidelity <laughs> um, and, and, and what that really means. Um, but then when I learned more about critical social justice, and how it is an orthodoxy. And I would even say it's a fundamentalist orthodoxy because of the exclusion, the shunning, the silencing. Um, I'm still on contract at De Anza till June 30th. I go in every day because I'm duty bound. So like I'm I'm on a contract, I show up, you know, um, but literally my core team does not talk to me. They do not respond to my emails. If I ask a question, it's like, I'm not there. I'm a complete no one. Um, In the lead spaces where I'm supposed to be serving as faculty lead, I'm ignored. I'm a spectator. Um, It's like sit down and be quiet um, and learn Mm -hmm. from us, even though we're not teaching anything, you know. Um, So that's the environment that not just me, but other people, if, if they dare to ask a question, they will get the same treatment. And the sad part about this thing is When I came in, I did over 60 hours needs assessment conversations, faculty, staff, administrators. I was told of this intolerance for like different viewpoints and stuff. Um, I was warned by people, you know, about just just be careful. We don't have a lot of diverse perspectives here. And I just kind of like, you know, noted, okay, this is becoming a theme, like more than one person, another person, another person. But then when it started to happen to me, I knew what they meant and I knew why they were warning me, like, be careful. I I was even told at one point, Lee, like, we love you. We love what you're doing. Please just be quiet, be quiet and make it through tenure. Don't ask any questions, just make it through. And then you can start asking questions. And I'm like, how's that going to work? How am I going to magically like fake myself for four years? That's how long the process is. And then after that, when I make it through, Then I'm going to start asking questions that no one ever saw me ask and being a different person, like that's not being real, you know, like I just couldn't be fake for that long. And, but that's the pressures that are on people. If you want to keep your job and your, you know, benefits and your space in this space, be quiet, go along. And once you make it through, there's no way for you to make a change because you've already gone along all that time. And now you just have to keep doing it. (laughs) That's how it works. And it saddens me.
0: That's okay. So again, reading your article and all that, it wasn't you know the president, it wasn't the deans, it was the middle management, people who you know, they're not the ones who set policy or set a, a mission statement or anything like that. They're the ones who go in and do all the nitty-gritty and they get, you know, they're they're managing the people who are doing actual work. And so they're so someone, so the president of the university or the college can say, "Okay, I want a more diverse staff," right? and he means one thing, or she means one thing, and the person who's actually doing the work in the diversity office or whatever could be like, "Okay, well, the diverse staff means that," I mean, and I've heard this explained that if you have like the example I was like the example that was used, I have to remember. You could have, like, okay, so you have uh, a board with 20 people. So you have two boards. One's got, you know, all different races, genders, sexual affiliation, whatever, including white. And the other one is, like, pretty much either, like, you know, it's all black, all brown, all, you know, Asian, whatever. that's, That's what that one is. Because the other one, the first one has one white person... The white person will take over the conversation. Everyone will defer to them, and then the, it'll become a white board. And like, so, I mean, like, so it depends on how you define diversity and all that too. So it just, so the people who are doing the actual work, the people who like setting up meetings, they're the ones who are controlling this. Mm-hmm. And here's where I lay a lot of blame on academia for this. Like, and it's the colleges didn't pay attention to what was. Like the presidents of the, you know, the universities and colleges, deans of departments, they got diversity statements. They got this and that. They didn't look into where is this coming from? And they allowed petty tyrants to get an immense amount of control. And now I'm, you know, maybe it can be saved or whatever, but as it is right now, academia is not functioning correctly. And it's doing a lot of damage outside the campus. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and even within the campus, you know, um, because a, a lot of the things that that, that critical social justice ideology, are, I call it neo-reconstructionism advances. It advances things like segregation, resegregation. Yeah. Um, you know, it advances things like uh, toxic ideas that if a person has brown or black skin, Uh, they can't be racist because they don't have access to power and privilege. I'm just going to tell you right now, Obeid, the people who were the primary drivers of my harassment and bullying and exclusion, they were people who are brown skin. They were people um, who um, identify as Latinx um, and Philippines and other X words. Um, that's the, that were, those were the people who literally made my life a living hell for the past two years. And they felt self-righteous in doing it because Mm -hmm. under their ideology, they're not racist. They couldn't possibly be, even though in that context, they hold all the power and privilege there. Um, and they were using it in toxic and mean ways and dehumanizing ways, but according to their ideology, they're, they're, they're not racist and their behaviors aren't racist. They don't even see it. <laughs> it's like they can't even see themselves in the mirror and the effects that they're having. And they would be the same people shouting to uh, over and over, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. Here's a Black Life. <laughs> and look what has happened. Look how <laughs> was treated in that space. So do they matter? You know? Um, so that's that's what I really want to point out to people. Um, and 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 the the racialized white people in the space they deferred to those those people because they're in the movement they're they're doing the work and so yes we support them Lee's got to go so that's how it worked that's how the dynamic worked in this situation it's it's everything's inverted upside down
0: yeah and I mean, like it's okay it's the campus first but it's also okay like. I describe this stuff like, do you know what a strangler vine is? A what? A strangler vine.
1: Mm, is it in a garden and that will choke okay. everything else out around it? <laughs>
0: well, there's uh, there's a certain there's a few types of trees where the seed drops on the canopy of the tree, and then the roots descend into the ground, and then it grows over the host until it kills the host. And there then it becomes a tree that's there. But for a while it kind of because it's growing around it, it looks similar to it. So that's how I describe this ideology, because the first thing it does is it looks inward and it says, okay, how are we so you figure an office of student diversity would go out trying to get more diverse students, you know, a diverse variety of students and maybe diverse faculty to teach those students into the college. But the first thing it does is looks at itself saying, how are we not filling our goals? Because if we can't do this, how are we supposed to go out? And okay, I I mentioned to you just before we started that, you know, my government's doing that. Okay, so not the last election, the one before that, because we had two very quick elections as minority governments. Um, They changed the Ministry of Immigration, no, not Immigration, they they changed one of the other, they changed the Ministry of Multiculturalism to the Ministry of Diversity, Inclusion, and Youth. And the only mandate that ministry had was to set up a secretariat to make sure all the other ministries were being properly diverse. They were following all these rules. So it was checking on all the other ministries. And they had to go through this to get everything vetted. Um, Now that got merged into the Ministry of Immigration, and like I told you before, that, you know, They define white privilege as doesn't matter your color, your skin, or your race. If you uphold ideas of white supremacy, you have white privilege. Um, There was a conference that was put on in Toronto during COVID. It was an online virtual conference. The people who were running it, one, she was the editor of the Toronto Star, which is one of the largest newspapers in Canada. Uh, One of the guys there, he is now the head of one of the largest public school boards in Ontario, so one of the largest ones in Canada, Um, you know, other people like that, and it was brown complicity in white supremacy. Mm -hmm. So how brown people are complicit in white supremacy by doing things like taking a job and allowing white people to say, see, we aren't racist, we hire brown people, but then they don't hire black people, so they're racist towards black people. And these brown people have taken black people's jobs, so they're complicit in white supremacy. Um, You know, that's why you have And a lot of people have noted this, like the large rising anti-Semitism coming from the West, because now it's you know Jews are Jews are white, Jews have whiteness, Um, you know. So it it, this has like real world effects. It's you know it's it's like I said, it's in my government. You had hell in the states. You had the CDC saying give out vaccines according to race, not by who's most you know who needs it the most. The people who laughed about it in two thousand fourteen when I first started seeing it, oh, it's just on you were wrong people who were pushed out with this for eight years were out in the workforce. And if all of a sudden you say, this is no good anymore. You know, you've got people with worthless degrees there and carry a huge debt load. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And it's, it's there, you know, like since this has happened to me, I've gotten so many contacts from people obeyed, like um, this national international happening, this, this, the same thing in so many places. And, it, it, it's it's bothersome and it's and it's concerning. Um, because it's like we're all watching it, we're all seeing it. But like, and we're like, No, that's, that's bad. Like, we're going down the wrong path. But at the same time, the de- decent people in the middle that aren't on any of the extremes, you know, they're just kind of passively sitting there and watching. And I wonder when are people going to get shaken up enough, like you mentioned, this has been going on for many years now, I'm new in, right? And and like, I had to come up to speed real fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and and like, wow, you know, all of this is really happening. Like, I felt like I fell down a rabbit hole here at Deanza. Like, and it just got darker and darker. Like I kept walking and it's like, this is not real, but it is, it's very real. And I just wonder what it's gonna take to get the people who are just passive to stand up and do something before it's too late. Um, and I feel like we're like at this, this moment where it's like either good, decent people are going to stand up and say like, to both, all the extremes, like, no, you know, um, we just want to live life and, and, um, you know, have compassion and grace and, you know, all that the humans, good people, um, are, are we going to just go off into a deep end of, you know, an extreme one way or the other? I mean, all of the extremes to me are, are dangerous. Um, and and you're going to have one, and then it's going to flip to another one. I mean, we're going to always be on these polls. <laughs> uh, it, well, it's
0: yeah. I mean, like what you're talking about there. Like this is one of being one of my uh, first thing I saw. I started seeing all this, and I was like, okay, you're going to get overcorrections. You are going to get overcorrections coming from the other side. And I'm like, what are you going to do? And now especially because you are seeing, uh, especially for the last couple of years, you know, ever since. George Floyd happened, then you had all the BLM riots. Then all these, you know, diversity courses started coming through K through 12. And that's when people really paid attention. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And I disagree with some of the bills. I agree with some of them, you know, like there's good and bad, Um, like the stop woke thing in Florida. I agree with what they're doing in the K through 12 because some of those, like, you know, like especially like the the trans stuff which it's not age appropriate to be in you know grade school libraries and things like that we can argue about high school but you know again look at the age appropriateness i disagree with not allowing people, like okay i think crt is a bunch of nonsense i know people people i know and respect think okay not something i don't um but yeah that's i come from like I you know i came at it from a very negative aspect anyways when i started reading it so whatever um if the University of Chicago wants to have a chair in CRT, I don't care. But you can't allow that chair to then dictate how all the other departments are doing it, and which is what they're doing. Like, you know, universities should have paid more attention to what was going on. I'm sorry, but Kendi should never have gotten a PhD. Kendi, like, you know, I agree with Glenn Larrick. The guy's an empty suit. Like, you know, his work is nonsensical. You listen to him talk to him. And he won't defend what he does. So I mean, you know, the guy did not deserve a PhD, and I think Kendi getting a PhD and people getting PhDs on things like that devalue higher degrees. And it's, you know, they like it, it, like I said. So these overcorrections are happening, and the institutions that were supposed to protect us have given up the values that that the you know that protected us from crazy. It's always been crazy. But we had a strong defense, but now it's gone. You know, the in the U.S., the ACLU is a shadow of what it was ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a huge loss for people.
1: Yeah, yeah, and 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 so many some people have contacted me, and they said, you know, like that's terrible what happened, but your position shouldn't even exist. <laughs> like you know, and and there's some points to that. Um, I I do agree that uh, this should never have been a faculty director position. It shouldn't be subject to tenure review process. If you want some person to come in and transform things, uh, but then you're going to put them under a tenure process where people can say we don't like the way you looked or the way you acted or the way you said that or you talked about a controversy, so we're going to toss you. You know. Um, so I think there should be some audits. Um, but right now, Obey, okay, this is this is a multi billion dollar industry. DEI. Oh, yeah. I mean, even if you say like, I I don't like it, I think it shouldn't exist, it exists. So it's like now uh, part of my mission is to tell people, you know, about these different ideologies, that there's different ways to do the work, um, do the work, (laughs) Um, you know, that famous phrase that we like, that that the people like to say, uh, there's more than one way. Um, And depending on on what ideology you're working under, you're going to have different outcomes for your organization for your community, <laughs> for your society. Um, and and people really need to understand that. They need to start looking at the roots of this. And what's the end game? Like, are we really wanting to have equality of outcomes? Do we understand what that means? And are we all on board with that? You know?
0: <laughs> but I mean, it's like like what you're talking about. So like someone like Chloe Valdery, and there's also another uh, woman, Ishtar Man- Manji, who, you know, they, they do DEI, they do anti-racism but those words have taken on such toxic meaning right now. Like Mm -hmm. even diversity, diversity in and of itself is not a bad thing, but it's how you're going about it. What, what you mean by diversity and what you want enforced at like, you know, if you want, when you say diversity, and then the end goal is we want exact population representation. I mean, it's it's not going to happen. Um, Mm -hmm. so all these things matter. I mean, like it's, you know, I, I joke around, like, I mean, like one of the things that irritates me the most about it, and it's, you know, it is the language. Like, you know, narrative used to be a perfectly good word. Now I hear it and I cringe, you mm-hmm. know, it, I, it's, it's just, it's things like that. Like, you know, we've lost important words that we can't use anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, again, going back to, like, the late 80s, early 90s, when the first political correctness thing came out. and I was hearing stupid things, I mean, the first thing that went through my head back then was, this is 1984, this is newspeak, this is language without substance, and mm-hmm. you know, that's what you have now, like, I mean, some of the, these books that I've read, I, I was just like, what does this mean? And then that if you get into the gender stuff, like, if you get into, like, Judith Butler and Gail Rubin, mm-hmm. oh my god, like, the stuff Butler wrote, like how? This is not scholarship. This is just the ramblings of lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: yes. And that's why I think it's so important for people to become more aware of what are these different racial ideologies, gender ideologies that are being advanced in all these different spaces. Um, and not just that in our teacher education programs, like we're teaching people how to teach. Um, but we're doing it through this lens of neo-reconstructionism and toxic gender ideology. Um, and then they then the teachers think that's how I should engage my students and communities. And they go out and do that. So it's like we're perpetuating it. Um, and so I'm just hoping that, you know, I don't know if we can eradicate these things, as some people suggest, and they say that we need to. I don't know if that's possible at this point. So maybe what we should focus more on is bringing out those um, non-mainstream perspectives um, bringing out those non-mainstream solutions, um, efforts, people who are doing the work, Chloe Valderi, Sheena, Dr. Sheena Mason, um, yeah. Carlos Floyd, you know, like all of these people who they're out on the on the margins, <laughs> just to still a phrase. Um, they're, they're, we're the margins now. <laughs> so, um, you know, and it's just a strange universe to be in um, and I, I hope that people will start looking to those to those outer areas and regions that aren't in the neat box uh, that's being packaged and just replicated everywhere, um, and that people start to question more and ask more questions and and not be afraid to, um, you know, that you're going to lose everything just for asking questions.
0: Like this is another thing where I compare it compared to Islam, and it's like I, I've been saying lately, and I've kind of been seeing it for the last few years. So right after 9 nine eleven the playbook that was used for Islamophobia and defense of Islam is the same playbook that's being used now. So, I mean, I, like, I'll like i go back to the trans issue. You know, what happened to Riley Gaines at SF, um was it, SFU or San Francisco State, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the statements that have come out, okay, two things about the statements that have come out from the, the university. One, that was like Hamas phrasing a terrorist after a terror attack, mm-hmm. and two, they were blaming Riley, and it was just, it, you know, it's, it's that like it's, you're just calling her transphobic, so, she is an apostate, she is an infidel, she's a heretic, so it's okay to stone her to death, it's okay to burn the witch, and it's, it's this, it's that same thing that happens, and like it, it's that playbook from Islam. It's just, you know, I, I, my family is Muslim. I criticize Islam, I get called it Islamophobe. It's like, no, I'm not afraid of it. I'm criticizing the idea. I'm criticizing the hijab. I'm criticizing the fact that, you know, in thirteen countries, I should be put to death because of how I think. Like I joked around with a friend of mine. It's like, okay, well, I just looked at timelines and it was um, you know, the intersectional framework came into academia in the early 90s. The people who graduated with PhDs and masters. Starting at the late '90s, then they started going in back into the administration. They started taking jobs in HR, going into government, going to politics. So in 2001, after 9/11, when Bush doesn't want to be called a racist, his his government goes out and looks for people to fight racism. They're going to get these people. It's going to come in, and that playbook that was used. It just, I mean, it just grew and grew and grew because they just hired people that thought like them. Because, I mean, I hire people that. I think think like me and like, well, not exactly like, me. you know what I mean. Like you know, people have the same similar mindset, and that's what they're going to do. And <coughs> and so that's where this comes. From. And it's the it's the same thing. And you're going to see the same thing happening over and over again. Someone, Chris, and it's the identity as well. I think you brought this up. It's if I you know because Sheena Mason questions the whole idea idea of race, and if you make race your identity, her doing that. She is attacking your identity, so that's it's like your Muslims say this all the time. Like if you attack this, longer time, I am Like I am, my religion is me. Just hmm. so that there's a lot of it there. Sorry, I ramble. So you can cut me off anytime. No,
1: on um, what you mentioned, that was exactly the response uh, because I actually brought Dr. Sheena Mason to Deanza Campus in the fall in september of, of 2022. um and there was a lot of resistance um i was told that uh you know um i didn't need to bring her there was no space for that racelessness you know uh was not aligning with decentering whiteness and all of these things okay. um and i'm like yeah no it's 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 beyond that <laughs> you know um, it's a different way different approach and we need to look at root causes to really make some positive change in the world um and the people came to her workshop you know um and they they were like waiting like wolves. They they wanted her to say one thing, you know, you could tell they're like on the edge of the seat. And after, at the end of it, they were just kind of like confused. And because all the things they thought she was gonna say, you know, she didn't say that. And they couldn't attack her on the all the questions they had. Some of them had written down questions ahead of time. You could see it like they're on their phone, you know, like doing stuff. And 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 then we talked about intersectionality. And one woman um said, um, you know, I I really value, you know, intersectionality. It's a valuable thing that I, you know, view everything through. And, and what are you saying that we need to get rid of intersectionality? And Dr. Mason was very like calm. And she's like, no, no, you know, not at all. Um, I, I'm just saying remove the race component of it. And the, <laughs> the look on the person's face was like, and she goes, well, what will we do without race? How, how will it work? Like, there's a fear. They need that construct for everything to work in their dialectical arrangement that you know that they understand the world through. Um, and if you remove that, it is a direct attack. So I could see why they would say, that's dangerous. She's a danger. You're dangerous for even bringing her or speaking of her. But again, it comes back to that fundamentalism, right? Um, if you're in the orthodoxy and you're bringing someone in that is not in alignment with that, you both of you are going to get stoned and, and destroyed. Um, and, and, and that's basically, you know, what, what took place. So this was towards the end. It was already too late. You know, I was already heading to the gallows, you know, at that point.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Go with a bang. (laughs) But I, I don't want to keep you too, too much longer, but, um, you ended that article in compact on a, you know, sort of optimistic note. And I spoke with Jake a little while ago, uh, Jake Mackie, Mackie, sorry, Um, and you know I I notice a few things going on. So, what are your hopes, or what do you think is going to be going on? Like, do you see the academy being fixed, or do you think new institutions like the University of Austin, or there's like that Rollston Academy, things like that? You think that would be that's going to be the future? What do you? I'm optimistic, Obaid, because
1: you know, I, I have to be um, that I've just that's just who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, So I can't get like into a like a pessimistic view. Like I feel like it will be easy for me to become very jaded. And I will become just like the people who were so mean to me and so dehumanizing to me. Like if I responded to them, the way that they respond, like if I just met them the same, you know, um, I could expend my energy doing that, but what good is that? Like, what good will that be for the world, for the children, for, you know, everyone moving mm-hmm. forward? So it's like, I, I can't, um, I can't adopt a pessimist viewpoint or, or one that says there's no hope. Like, oh, we're all just stuck. Like, this is going to end terrible. You know, like, I, I don't know if I started to believe that, who would I, who, who would I be? What would I be like? I, I That's just not, uh, um, Uh, a demeanor that I've interacted with the world, with the world with, I always have this hope in like human agency. Um, I have this hope in the interdependency of of all of us and, you know, us being able to come together some way and somehow and say like, Hey, like, we don't want to just destroy and dismantle everything. You know, like some people talk about doing all the time, like we want to build, you know, we want this world to be a better place. Um, no one's saying like everything's rainbows and we're all perfect and getting along so nice. Like, I'm not even saying that, but just coexisting, you know, is something that I think is a valuable goal. Um, and how do we get that, you know, from from coming off of these crazy extremes, you know, um, and, and not letting the fundamentalists from any sector, you know, influence uh, just basic people who want to be decent, who want to live. Um, who, who who don't want to destroy the world and have a, a a meltdown with nothing left, you know, just the ashes and the Department of Anti-Racism. You know, no. <laughs> so I, that's what I'm hopeful for. I'm, I am still hopeful. Um, I know there's a lot of things happening in different states and there's like politicians trying to ban things and, you know, like all the culture wars are continuing. But I'm just hopeful that we will find uh, a way through that some of these tools and methods that are out there Um, That people will start to hear more about them and the different researchers who are actual researchers who are willing to engage people in in the talk and have conversation and don't say like, you can't question me, you know, I am the the priest and and I will not be questioned or engaged with questions. You know, when you see that, you know, you're looking at something, you know, questionable, suspect, Um, maybe not the best thing for us to adopt if someone can't be questioned or they can't be bothered to interact with everyone else, you know? Um, so my, my
0: favorite is the, the emotional labor.
1: Like
0: <laughs> 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 Yeah. You, know, you ask a question. It's like, well, don't, don't make me expend my emotional labor. How am I going to work? Yeah. Look, this would be great talking with you, Lee. Um, like I'll put the links to some of your articles and stuff in the description, as I mentioned. If there's anything else you want me to put in there, I'll put that in there as well. Um, If you have any last words, if you want to let no- people know, if you know, where they can find more about you or anything like that, go ahead.
1: Yes, so I am working, um, you know, with uh, Free Black Thought. That's been my rock through this whole, you know, experience at <laughs> De Anza. Great people, great um solutions and alternatives through that journal, so you can find me there. Um, I'm also connected with um, um, Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism. So, you know, lots of different places you can find me or just Google me and, you know, see where I pop up. Um, But, you know, I'll still be here. um, And I'll still keep fighting the good fight. You know, that's that's what I was born to do. So.
0: (laughs) Well, thanks again, Lee. It was great talking to you. And thanks, everyone, for listening.